Our sermon text comes from the prophet Daniel, chapter 12. If you don't know, uh, Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, His prophecies focus a lot on the end times. What is it going to be like when the world ends? If we could get the writing here. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is written in the book of life, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This is God's word. My brothers and sisters, you can tell a lot about a generation by the movies and TV that it consumes. So, 60 years ago, the the greatest generation that fought in World War II, that grew up in the Great Depression, they found themselves in a world that was becoming more and more cushy and soft and anti-traditional. So, they were drawn to shows like Bonanza and Gunsmoke. Are those country westerns that glorify good, old-fashioned, traditional values and rough and tough living. 20 or 30 years ago, uh, the generation that had to hold its breath during the Cold War era, a generation that was becoming more and more isolated, found itself drawn to shows that uh, were mostly focused around the deep connections between close-knit groups of friends, shows that were comical, light-hearted, sometimes cheesy, We're talking Seinfeld or Friends. And in the last 10 years, a generation that yearns for beauty, success, honor, fame, wealth, well, they they find themselves drawn to TV shows that showcase the personal lives of the people that they want to be like. We're talking Keeping Up with the Kardashians or American Idol. But if you look at all the stories told throughout history, the stories that have been told around the campfire thousands of years ago and then have been kind of repackaged uh, into, into literature and books and, and now they're the movies and TV shows that we watch. All the stories that humans have told throughout history. You will find one common theme. A theme that actually transcends time and culture. You know what that theme is? Immortality. The desire to live forever. The desire to escape death, to defeat death. Look at all the movies that we all love and know. Star Wars, Harry Potter, the the Marvel's Avengers. Well, they all, in their own way, revolve around someone trying to escape death. Someone trying to defeat death. We'll go back a few centuries. Look at Shakespeare's tragedies. The greatest ones, Hamlet, Othello. Romeo and Juliet, what do they involve? They involve people trying to escape their destiny, which is usually death. Go centuries before that, the the epic tales of Roman and Greek and Norse mythology. What uh, What are they about? They're all about someone trying to become like the gods, someone who is trying to live forever. And if you go back to the oldest piece of literature that we have, it's called the Epic of Gilgamesh. It was written at the time of Abraham over 4,000 years ago. You know what it's about? It's about a man trying to 
find his journey so that he can live forever because he doesn't want to die. And it seems like all these pieces of literature, it seems, what are we being told by people throughout all of history? Well, that death is real. That death is inescapable. That death is final. But doesn't the fact that throughout history, people keep fantasizing about escaping death, even though I mean, you would think that humans would get used to it eventually. They haven't. We keep trying to make stories about escaping death. That tells me that maybe death isn't natural. Now look at your own hearts. All of you live in a world where you're constantly surrounded by death. It's everywhere. And yet, when that person close to you is taken away from you, that voice inside your heart that you just can't silence is constantly saying, this can't be right. Why is this happening? This doesn't make sense. This can't be the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus comes to you in his word, and he says, you're right. I didn't create you to die. Death was not part of the picture when I created you. And in today's scripture, in Daniel chapter 12, God comes to Daniel and he gives him a glimpse, just a glimpse, of that one thing that God is going to give to his people, that one thing that every single human being yearns for on the deepest level. Life forever. But not right away. Not right away. And before God can give the good news to Daniel, he actually has to break the bad news to Daniel. And Daniel was used to bad news. If you know anything about the life of Daniel, you know he was used to bad news. Daniel had seen his city, his temple, his people, and his whole culture, his whole way of life completely demolished by the Babylonian Empire. He was used to being surrounded by death. He knew that if he didn't perform his job well, his head would be rolling on the floor. He knew that his political adversaries were constantly slandering him in front of the most powerful men in the world, one of whom actually fell for it, Darius, and sent him into the den of lions. Now, had God been protecting him this entire time? Yes. But that doesn't mean he didn't suffer. He did. Daniel's life wasn't easy. And a few chapters before chapter 12, chapter 10, God comes to Daniel and through a series of visions that puts Daniel, the most seasoned prophetic veteran, they put him on his knees because they are so horrible. He is so overwhelmed with grief and horror at what he's seen. And Jesus is telling him, Daniel, I know you've suffered a lot, but it's going to get worse. Satan is going to use every single weapon in his arsenal to make my people suffer. He is going to influence the most powerful men in the entire world to make sure that my people suffer. It's going to get bad. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. My angels, including Michael, the, the, the prince, he is protecting you. He is fighting for you, even to this day. But you need to know what's going to happen. And right now, today, that, that, that time of great distress, that time is now. We are in the end times, and at this very moment, Satan is using every single weapon in his arsenal, sickness, depression, anxiety, chaos, destruction, death itself, everything that he can use to pull your ear closer to his mouth so that he can say, oh, you see, Jesus doesn't really care about you. 
He doesn't care. And while your heart groans under the weight of the suffering that you have to do on this earth, you're going to be tempted to ask the same question that every single Christian is tempted to ask when they are faced with suffering. Why? Well, if Jesus really cares about me and if Jesus is all-powerful, why is he making me suffer? Well, the answer is because you live in a place that isn't your home. Look at the world around you. Look at the death and the destruction and the chaos and the evil that surrounds you. You weren't meant for this. Uh, As we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see that we ourselves are in decay along with our world as we look at the course of human behavior around us. We see that human beings are decaying, getting worse and worse along with our world, both on the outside and on the inside. As we look at all of it, we see the price that all of us have to pay for the time that Adam and Eve chose to divorce themselves from God's perfection. Sickness, chaos, destruction, pain, sorrow, death. Oh, but Jesus has delivered you from your destruction. You know, the one telling Daniel these horrible prophecies about what was going to happen, he himself would enter the picture. He would enter the story. He would enter the mess himself as a human being and he would take away your guilt and shame by putting it on his shoulders and giving you his perfection. Not only did Jesus suffer for you, but he continues to suffer with you. Not only did Jesus redeem you and buy you back with his blood, but he promises to make you new. He promises to reverse the order of the death that haunts you in your life. He promises to make you something brand new, to make you what you were meant to be. But it it makes sense that if Jesus, while he was on earth, even when he wasn't getting crucified, well, he suffered while he was on earth. He was kicked out of his hometown. He was hated by his own family. He was starving. He was homeless. People hated him. He, was, he suffered while he was on earth. And so doesn't it make sense that if you belong to him and you're in a place that's not your home, that you would suffer too? And so when you suffer in this world because this place is not your home, that's not a sign that God has abandoned you. It's actually proof of the opposite that you are participating in Jesus' story. His suffering is your suffering. And Satan is going to give you everything he has, and it's going to hurt. But he doesn't get the final say. Jesus does. And Jesus promises that when the time is right, he is going to deliver you. He is going to take you with him All of you whose names are written in the book of life, who belong to him, who God has chosen before he ever even created the earth, you do not lose. You win because Jesus wins. Now what's that going to look like? Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. You will rise. And every single one of the people that you have lost, whose names are written in the book of life, every single one of those people that you were close to and then because they have gone, there is an empty hole in your heart that you just can't refill, they will rise. 
all of you will rise, not just from the dead, but from this broken world, who as you meet Jesus in the sky, as he calls your name, death cannot defeat you. And death cannot defeat your parents, or your children, or your spouses, or your grandchildren, or your friends, or any of the precious people that death has taken. Satan cannot alter your destiny. The, the, the things that want to repress you, Satan, his demons, the world itself, they cannot take away what Jesus has promised to give you. Eternal life. Life forever. But that, that's not it. That's not all. Well, Jesus doesn't just promise life. He promises glory. He promises beauty. He promises bliss that does not end. You, you realize what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you participated in my shame. You participated in my suffering. You shared that now you are going to share in my glory. Now you are going to share in the perfection of heaven. All of you, all of you whose names are written in the book of life, who are wise for, self for salvation, who know who your Savior is, who, who in your righteousness your status of perfection before God himself, who steer others towards righteousness because that's what righteous people do, you will shine like stars. Even the most brightest, most beautiful constellations that you look at in the desert sky at night, they can't compare to you when you will shine with the blinding glory of God himself. Even the most high-status, famous, elite people of this world they are nobodies compared to who you will be as you are exalted at God's side, as you rule the new world with him. Even the most healthy, uh, beautiful, attractive bodies that we're jealous of in this sick, anemic world, they can't compare to the new bodies that Jesus will give to you when you see him in glory. And the, 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 the seeming joy and happiness and satisfaction, all those people out there that they seem to have because they have it so easy and they don't have to go through the things that you have to go through. They don't have to suffer like you have to suffer. Whatever they have, it is nothing compared to the joy that Jesus will give to you. Whatever Jesus asks you to endure while you're on this earth, it's a lot. He, he put, there's a lot. But at the same time, it is nothing, nothing compared to what he has promised to give you. Whatever pain, whatever sorrow that you have, it will be overwhelmed by joy as you see your Savior, as he calls your name as your faith is finally turned into sight, as Jesus from his own fullness repays you and more for everything that he's taken away. That. That is how Jesus answers the deepest longing in your heart that, that it keeps saying, there's got to be something more. Is it true that, that that thing that I want and need and yearn for, something forever, something real, something that doesn't end, is it true? And Jesus comes to you today in his word and he says, yes, it's all true. You know, there's a reason we like movies. Everyone loves movies and books and TV and stories, right? 
Now, you have the tragedies, right? The Hamlets, the Othellos, the Titanics, right? And, you know, those sad movies, they're always the best movies. Not because they make you so happy, but because they're real, right? They, they most accurately reflect the reality and the pain and the chaos of human existence. Oh, but there's something about those movies that have a happy ending, there's something about those movies that, you know, the good guy, the protagonist, he, he has to defeat something evil. He has to endure something difficult. He has to sacrifice something costly. But in the end, everything is okay. Good wins. There is something deep inside of us that desperately wants that to be true. It is true. It's absolutely true. All of you are a part of Jesus' epic story of sorrow and, and pain and suffering and joy and victory. And when all of you meet your final conclusion, the climax of your story, as Jesus calls your name and you see your, your Savior face to face and he says, well done. Well done. And he takes the cross off your shoulders and he replaces it with a crown on your head. As you are greeted and embraced by all the saints who have gone on before you, and especially the ones closest to you, and they bring you in and say, welcome home. You're finally here. As you join the song of the angels, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Those angels who rejoiced as you were baptized when you came to faith and who have been watching over you your entire journey. As you can stand in front of the throne of God himself with nothing to hide and as you shine with his glory. Everything, everything that you had to endure to get there will have been worth it.